Um, Father, thank you for how incredible you are, Lord. You're so amazing and we love you so much. Thank you that we get to be here to worship you or at home worshipping you. And we just pray, Lord, that your, your word would come through, that your, your will be done on this place, Father. Um, use me and guide me and let hearts be opened and ears be open to hear and minds be open to receive new things. And yeah, just be with us all, Father. Amen. So today I want to ask you, it's an easiest question, um, but one that shouldn't be answered too quickly. And I want to ask you, what would they see in you? What would they see in you? And um, I think it was two years ago, I was at a leadership conference in Leeds, um, and they were having this panel thing, talking about leaders who are Christian, stuff like that. And um, Kanye West came up, which confused me like nothing else. Uh, his album, Jesus is King, shocked me when I found out that he was now a born-again Christian, which, praise God, if he truly is wonderful. Um, but it shocked me, and it made me question, if it shocked me that someone as public as Kanye West came out, oh, came out as a Christian, <laughs> declared himself as a Christian, um, then what do people think about me when I say that I'm a Christian? Um, are the same questions asked? And how many people were shocked when they found out I was a Christian? How many questions did they ask that I ask about other people? When we hear about these uh, celebrities who call themselves Christians, and when we see the world questioning them and judging them, um, and when we do the same, how often do we turn the question on ourselves and ask, where is the continuation in my life, in my words and my actions? From the moment I found Jesus, have I changed? Can I see Jesus in me? And could others see Jesus in me? Nowadays, everyone can be seen, everyone can be watched, as creepy as it sounds, um, whether you're on the internet, on social media, um, every, everyday life, with the people that you meet and um, your friends with, your family. Everyone can see you in some way. And everyone asks, what's so special about them? Why should I listen to them? Why should you listen to me? Everyone asks, Mm, they're a Christian, but they do X, Y, and Z. I've heard them do this. I've heard them say that. The way we act in situations, the way we talk, the way we treat other people is often a clear indication of what we're following, of our values and our commitments. And I want to challenge myself in this as much as I want to challenge everyone listening. Um, would they see Jesus in me in a situation? Would they see Jesus in you? And if they didn't see Jesus, what would they see? And I think there's an order of things that we can go through to determine this, um, from what we're following to the change that's made when we do follow Jesus and what comes next. So my first question, well, second question, is what are you following? It's all about what you value most, what comes first for you. Are there things on your list that are above Jesus? If I was to list my priorities in my life um, for a moment, just regarding Jesus, maybe family, maybe work, maybe finding somewhere to live, um, making money so that I can provide for any family that I have in the future. And they're not bad things. They're all good things to value. 
but do they come above Jesus? And do they stop you from following him with the full commitment that you could? Not that they're bad things once again, but are they above Jesus? So in your Bible, whether you have a paper Bible, phone Bible, I don't care, uh, let's turn to the book of Luke, when I can find it. Uh, Chapter 9. Verses 57 to 68. And it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, being Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. For as for you, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Great. Um, I come from a Pentecostal background, so let's get some, some words, actions, uh, let's have some volume. <laughs> um, this, is, this is quite challenging, I think. Um, these people have other things to do, and they're not bad things that they have to do. They want to say farewell to their family, they want to bury their father, they want to do these other things. But is it above following Jesus? Have you put it above your relationship with him? And it, it really is a challenging verse, especially for myself and for other young people. There is so much in this world today that is a distraction from following Jesus. And there are so many obstacles that draw us to the world rather than discipleship and the willingness to follow him. For example, if you need some, um, school, uni, whatever, friends, experience of parties and all the things that go along with it, relationships, wanting to be rich and famous, wanting to be known for whatever reason, social media, even for introverts, as I would consider myself, who may not find pleasure in the more social side of things. There are things that they love as well, such as maybe a book or a video game or something like that. All these things tempt us, especially young people, away from a life filled with Jesus. So what are you prioritising? What is the driving force behind your life? From my own experience, um, and whether you're young or slightly older than I am, (laughs) in the moments I decide that I want to follow Jesus and I want to live for Jesus in that moment, I feel more peace, more joy, more satisfaction in the moments when I'm striving to reach something that the world is trying to give me and that the world offers Because every time I reach one thing the world offers, there's something else for the world to offer me. Every time I think I've got the best I can be, there's something more, there's someone better, there's something else I want to achieve. You don't really understand that peace of, of leaving all that behind. You don't understand the joy that is in Jesus until you experience him. And you don't know the peace until you know him. You don't know the fullness of what God has to offer you until that point that your heart changes and begins to explore his promises for you because it's so much more than the world has to offer. 
But so what? All these things, I can value anything I like. What does that have to do with what they see in me? Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Maybe. Um, Verse 2, and it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's so easy for us to want to be of the world, to want to have all these wonderful things that the world has to offer. None of these things are necessarily bad or wrong, but are they godly? Are they what God has planned for you? Are they the life that God wants for you? So once you've prioritised Jesus above all else, something has to change. Something has to stir within you. There has to be transformation by the renewal of your mind. And something that John often says to Abby, Jack and myself is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I'm going to take this and use it because you don't have to reinvent the wheel Something has to change, but not necessarily something entirely new and different. You don't have to be something as like a completely new thing. Because we have Jesus to follow. We have Jesus to set the example. If we prioritise Jesus, we start to become more like Jesus. So let's go to 1 John, the letter of John. Uh, Chapter 2. Verse 6, and it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If you're saying that you follow Jesus, are you acting like you follow Jesus? Once again, as much of a challenge for you as it is for myself, once you've made that commitment to put him first, there has to be transformation. You have to start being more like Jesus. Because once we meet Jesus, once you meet God, You can't stay the same sinful self as you were before. Something has to change. Um, And you have to be intentional about it. It has to be something that you want to do. And I've said this in junior church several times. Um, We get to know our friends by spending time with them and cultivating a relationship with them, being an intentional friend. And the same can be said for our relationship with God. We don't immediately know everything that there is to know and we don't just stop at the decision to put him first. We have to be intentional about growing in him and about becoming more like Jesus. As we spend time with God in prayer, in worship, in spending time reading his word, um, in silence, in solitude, fasting, meditation, contemplation, we can start to become more like Jesus. But what was so special about Jesus? What are the things that we should imitate? Firstly, he was compassionate. And then he's forgiving, loving, kind, patient, gentle, servant-hearted. We, uh, you might recognise these things from the fruits of the Spirit, um, Galatians 5, 22 to 24. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of all the things that Paul talks about in these verses. So when... Let's turn there, actually. Let's go to Galatians. I like this verse. It's one of my favourites. Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 to 24, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And let's continue. If we live by the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk by the Spirit. 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We're given these lists of qualities and Paul doesn't just pull them out of the air. He doesn't just invent them. No, they're the perfect embodiment of Jesus. All these things that were encouraged to come by being in the Spirit is what Jesus was. And if we stay the same as we were before Christ, then we're not being intentional enough in spending time in prayer, in worship and all these other things. Something has to change. And how wonderful it is that we get to change to become more like the perfect role model, the perfect embodiment of love and kindness and all these other things, Jesus. I think that's pretty exciting and wonderful. We have to be transformed. And people will start seeing Jesus in us as we do these things. People will start to notice a change. Um, And not only that, but it makes treating people as Jesus would have treated people so, so much easier. How many times have you said, oh, Lord, teach me patience. Lord, teach me kindness. And you end up having to be taught these things because someone pulls out on you when you're driving your car or someone walks out in front of you or someone really irritates you that day. Your child gets on your nerves. Your parent gets on your nerves. You're taught these things when we ask Jesus and we we have to become more like him. When we become more like him, we take on his love for the world. A love that next week we'll talk all about that he went to the cross for, a love so perfect, so powerful. How can you experience this and not take it out into the world? How can you experience this love for yourself and not want to help others experience it too? He did all of these things for you, but he also did them for the world. Being like Jesus means loving the world like he did. In meeting the one who loves us unconditionally, we, want, we should want to show the same unconditional love to the world. So we've made the commitment, we've decided, I want to follow Jesus, I want to put him first above all the other things in my life. I want him to be the first thing that comes first. And then we spend more time with him, we, we're changed, we become more like him. We're not what we were in the past, but we emulate and imitate the things that embody Jesus. So what's next? And are you ready? What's the cost and what is there to gain from these things? If all the things you value in your life were taken away from you, would your relationship with God change? Because we can put Jesus first, still have a care for everything else, but as soon as something is taken away from us, we can think, God, why did you take this away from me? Why don't you care that I love this? Why don't you care that I want this? Does it change? Does your priority change when something happens that isn't what you thought it would be? Would it strengthen you or would you mourn for the things of the past? And if you reach the highest height of your dreams, 
and God asked you to leave it all behind, could you? Would you? If God wanted you to put it all away, not that he necessarily is going to ask you to do this, but if he did, would you? There's nothing wrong with dreams, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have things, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be famous, to be seen, to have riches and luxuries with the value. It's the value that you put on them compared to the value that you put on your relationship with God that is what matters. And um, I've been there. (laughs) Uh, I thought my life was secure, I thought I knew what I was doing, I thought I was on this path that was guaranteed for me. And it's, things have changed. Things definitely have. I put so much value on those things. I thought I knew where I was going, that once they were taken away from me and once things changed, it wasn't... I just... I thought that nothing could ever go better for me again. Even though, growing up in a Christian family, I knew that God had promises for me, that he had a plan for me. As soon as what I thought I wanted changed it all fell apart. And um, even when you think everything's getting better, it all suddenly goes down again. Would that change your relationship with God? Uh, Let's go back to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, which says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is the bit I want to focus on. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Sometimes we think everything's going right, and it is, and that's the plan that God has for us. Sometimes everything starts going wrong, and the thing that we thought was a plan is a disaster. And we find ourselves in this place that we feel like we can't get up from. We find ourselves in this place where we feel we're trapped and pushed down and knocked down again and again and again, But Paul says to rejoice in these sufferings because it induces, induces, it produces endurance, which produces character, uh, which produces hope. We shouldn't hold on to the sufferings of the past. There are benefits to our faith, yes, in Jesus, who have peace and grace, which are mentioned before this. However, Paul recognises that there is suffering in the life of a Christian, And the joy that we have in our sufferings isn't necessarily happiness. You don't have to be happy in your suffering. I think Paul (laughs) knows that well enough from all his suffering. We don't have to be happy, but joy is knowing that there's something more to come, that there's a promise waiting for you after the suffering, that there's hope for what is to come. Life eternal with God, I think, is pretty much the best reward we could ever hope for, for enduring that, that pain, knowing that God has something better for you planned for the future. I think that's, um, that's a pretty exciting thing. Um, so what have you put first? 
there's a cost to a decision, uh, one that might lead to pain, one that might test you more than you ever thought you could be tested, but God is right there with you. God is right there in the midst of it. He, he knows what's going on and you aren't alone in the things that you think you're alone in. There is hope that on the other side, there is something better to come. When we're tested, our true colours shine through. And this is why I wanted to go through what Jesus is, what has to change. Because when I spend time with Jesus and in my quiet times, I start to become more like him. In the times I'm tested, this is when it will really shine through. When I feel like I'm being pushed down again and again and again, what I prioritise, and if I prioritise Jesus and my relationship with him, that is what will be the most seen in those situations. Will people see Jesus in your sufferings as much as they did in your happy times and vice versa. If they see him in your happy times, will they see him in your sufferings? Will they see the other things that you've prioritised above Jesus? So what would they see in you? What would they see in you? Jesus is calling you to follow him. Jesus is calling you to be friends with him, to have that relationship with him, to be intentional about seeking him, are you going to answer it? It isn't always a one and done decision. And it isn't always the perfect decision that leads to a happy life for however many years you live. But it is one that will bring so much hope for what is to come and a life spent with Jesus. And it's something that we have to commit to every moment of every day of our lives, to be aware of his presence in every day. That's part of our relationship with Jesus. Not just saying one day, oh yeah, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And then just forgetting about it, thinking that I'm gonna become more like him just because I made that decision. I have to be intentional about what I want, what I want to get from Jesus. There may not seem like there's anything to gain. The world won't necessarily respect you more for it. Um, there may not be as much money in it as there are in other things. Um, there may not be any money in it at all. There may not be worldly luxuries and there may not be fame, but it's God's will, not our own, that we should follow. It's God's will that we should want in our lives. His will be done in our lives. His will be done on this earth. He knows what's best for us. And you may get a glimpse of this when you're spending time with him, but he knows he's got a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. Whether you're young or old, whether you're making this decision for the first time or you've made it a million times before, God has a plan for that decision. God has a plan for you. Many people want to be seen and listened to, but there is so much more to life than being seen and listened to even as I stand up here and you're hopefully listening to me. That's uh, aside the point. <laughs> um, but there's so much more value than what we can gain from putting these things first. There's so much more value in putting Jesus first and allowing his will to be done, his purpose to be fulfilled in your life. And if these things come alongside that, then that is wonderful. But not getting caught up in these things and knowing that putting God first, there is a hope for you. To follow Jesus in this world also means more than just turning up to church on a Sunday. 
It means more than just putting on a worship song while you're doing the washing up. It means more than just thinking a throwaway decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. It is commitment. It is a lifestyle. It changes you. It has to change you. Because meeting God, we cannot stay the same. Life with Jesus isn't about that adrenaline rush. It's not about the tingly feelings. It's not about the, the hairs that stand up on the back of your neck. Even though these are all good things and, and it's good to, or it, it's sometimes, what am I trying to say? I like experiencing these things. I like having that adrenaline rush in worship, but it's not about that. It's about knowing the presence of God is always with you. You have to be fed on more than just Sundays and you have to be fed by more than just the preacher or the worship. Be intentional about your relationship with God. And it challenges you and it forces you to look away from yourself and instead to others. It is a discipline that requires practice, but it is a joy that seems strange to the people around you. And it gives you a peace that seems almost unexplainable. When the world is falling apart around you, knowing that God is there with you, that God has a purpose for that moment, that there is something more to come. It seems strange to the world that we would be excited about suffering or that we'd be rejoicing in our suffering, but it is so much more glorious than the suffering that's happening, but instead for the things ahead. And it does require practice. It is something that you have to put yourself through daily. It has to be something that you're intentional about. It's not for the lighthearted. It's not for the people who want to have a one-and-done situation or want to make that decision after they've completed everything else. If you feel like everything is falling apart, or even if you feel like everything is good in your life, put Jesus first. Even if you feel like you're the happiest that you could ever be, put Jesus first. Put him first and see what changes. Are you ready? Are you going to answer that call to follow him, to put him first? And what will they see in you after that? What do they see in you now, but what will change? Will it be Jesus? It's pretty exciting to think it could be Jesus that it would be Jesus after spending so much time with him. Reach out, ask him, seek him in this. Um, don't just make the decision based on what I'm saying. Call out to him, ask him, what has he got in store for you? Is there a life, a relationship that you could have with him? And be intentional about it. So let's finally, um, if the band is going to play a song... Yeah? Um, let's turn to 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. Um, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We won't be the same as we were before this decision. We'll never be the same again. But we get to be more like Jesus. And we get to have a relationship with him and have a life full of Jesus. And eventually when it comes to that time, we get to have eternity with our Lord and Saviour, with the most wonderful being that has ever, I'm not gonna say lived, but existed. <laughs> How exciting for that. Amen.